This is unaffected. Welcome to Unaffected, a podcast that offers a curated look at some obscure, forgotten, and neglected singers of the mid-20th century. I'm your host, Ethan Stoller, and firstly, I apologize for not having released an episode in a while longer than usual. I have excuses, but I will not bore you with those. Uh, some of you, though, were able to hear I did an interview on the radio with Franklin Bruno, and I plan to make that interview available as a bonus episode very shortly. For those of you who didn't hear, uh, there were a couple of revelations about this podcast in that interview, and uh, those will be the two of them will be a topic for today's show. The first is that I revealed that I had a favorite singer, obscure or otherwise, if you had to pin me down. And that singer's name is Kiz Harp. If you allow me, forgive my little name droppiness in this story, but just to demonstrate how deeply I love this singer, I was in London in March of 2014. I was a music consultant on a movie called Jupiter Ascending. And they were recording the score with the big orchestra at Abbey Road Studios. And I didn't have much role there. I was more of a spectator. But I spent the week in London and would go to the studio every day. I lived, I was staying in a neighborhood called Islington, which is about a 90-minute walk to Abbey Road. Beautiful, you know, if you know London, it's just a great city to walk through. And... Even though I was working on this big movie with this famous composer who'd won Oscars, and even though we were at Abbey Road Studios, I wasn't listening to his music or to the Beatles or anything like that. I was I, I had just discovered Kiz Harp, and I literally listened to this song maybe 200 times that week, just on repeat, over and over. I, I was marveling each time I would get tiny goosebumps over small choices she made in her delivery of this song. Now let me, I'll play you the first half of the song and then we're going to go back and, and parse it pretty closely. So this won't be more of a general biography type of episode. We're going to get in deep into one song and appropriately enough, that song is called Down in the Depths on the 90th floor. As you listen, check out her diction. She doesn't over-enunciate too much, but just check out the clarity that she brings to each phoneme of every syllable and every line, and the way she uses those sounds to convey the emotion, like the words hit you directly, (laughs) the words hit me directly in some part of my brain that makes me feel the emotion of the song, like distilled and then saturated again, without over emoting. It's a magical thing. And, you know, if I can feel sympathy for this character in the song who is a very wealthy person on the 90th floor of a Manhattan skyscraper overlooking all these people, you know, in the middle of the depression, (laughs) you can feel sympathy for that person because of their lack of success in romance. You could, Kiz Harp could make you feel anything. So check it out. This is Down in the Depths on the 90th Floor, recorded in 1960, live at 
the 90th floor, the club that Dick and Kiz Harp owned in Dallas, Texas. Enjoy. Manhattan, I'm up a tree. The one I've most adored is bored with me. Manhattan, I'm awfully nice. Nice people dine with me, and even twice. Yet the only one in the world I'm mad about talks of somebody else and walks out. With a million neon rainbows blazing below me And a million noisy taxis raising a roar Here I sit above the town In a Scaparelli gown Down in the depths on the 90th floor While the crowds at El Morocco punish the parquet And the bars are packed with people calling for more I'm uneasy and depressed in my regal eagle's nest down in the depths on the 90th floor so one of the first things i noticed about kiss harp she only there are only two records ever recorded under her name and the things i noticed was how exquisite her taste in choosing songs where I imagine she chose them with her partner and husband, Dick Harp, who is the pianist on these records. Um, and I think like songs and songwriters were really important to them. And so I think that's part of why she takes such care in, uh, pronouncing each word so delicately and so precisely. Uh, let's listen to just a couple these things might seem trivial or small, but I, there's, I want to really get in deep here. Uh, listen to these final T's on the words uh, about and out in the first part of the song. Uh, there's like a, because this was recorded live, there's a chair creaking during the, almost exactly when she's saying the word about. But you, if you listen closely, you can hear it. And if you're in a car listening right now, you're probably not going to hear any of these details. But I apologize for that. But for the rest of us, let's have a listen. Yet the only one in the world I'm mad about Talks of somebody else And walks out Now I've heard other versions of this song where the singer makes a big production of that word, out. I think because it's introducing like the next section of the song and walks out which <laughs> completely misses the intended emotion uh, of the song uh, let's listen one more time and just 
feel that dejection. Yet the only one in the world I'm mad about talks of somebody else and walks out. I love this slinky chromatic bass line Dick Harp is playing, by the way. Chromatic meaning two notes on the keyboard next to each other. Uh, not unlike the theme song to this podcast. Anyway, let's chat about Kiz Harp's tone. Usually tone is my number one feature of a singer I'm attracted to, especially at first. And I usually am a sucker for a super honey sweet tone. Someone like famously Ella Fitzgerald, but maybe more obscure Maxine Sullivan or Lucy Ann Polk or Pinky Winters, that that super smooth, clear tone. So Kiz Harp, as you've noticed, doesn't have that. Uh, she's often described, not as much as she is described, as husky or hoarse. Uh, she was a big smoker, and that influenced her, the timbre of her voice, no doubt. Uh, she was only 28 years old when this was recorded, so she sounds much wiser, let's say, more mature than that, just based on the tone. Um, and I admit, the first time I ever like sampled her voice, just for a few seconds of listening, I wasn't, I wasn't turned off so much, but I wasn't, I didn't think this singer would end up being my favorite, but man, she won me over. And uh, yeah, let's listen to more of why. So I love her diction, as I've said, and also her intonation is flawless. I mean, the fact that this was just recorded live is amazing. This is like, you know, first take. Um, so let's play uh, this first section of the song again and check out her, her hoarse, husky tone. But also listen for the control she has in her vibrato. Vibrato is another feature that I'm usually, you know, by default, not crazy about. Like I'll Google search singer non-vibrato to try to find, you know, discover someone new. Um, but I, she just has such immaculate control over the vibrato. I think of it like she uses it often in uh, monosyllabic words and at the end of syllables where she's singing, you know, vibrato-less, and then there'd be a little flicker, like uh, a candle going out or water circling a drain. She'll just, she'll be singing constant tone, tone, and then just a little flicker at the end. It's just magical. She has supreme control over it. And again, I find she only uses it when it enhances the emotion she wants you to feel. So listen again uh, for this vibrato and the diction and just the intonation, meaning the, the pitch is just flawless. And remember this was recorded live in the back of a, in a club that was in the back of a warehouse. <laughs> uh, so here I'm going to regale you again down in the depths on the 90th floor. With a million neon rainbows blazing below me And a million noisy taxis raising a roar Here I sit above the town 
in a scaparelli gown Down in the depths on the 90th floor While the crowds at El Morocco punish the parquet And the bars are packed with people calling for more I'm uneasy and depressed In my regal eagle's nest down in the depths on the night floor. So I'm not going to deprive you of the rest of this song. Uh, there's the bridge and then the final coda. I don't know if those terms are right. Franklin Bruno would know. Um, but check out, so here in this part of the song, there is a, it's very dynamic emotionally. Toward the beginning of this section, you'll hear a very quiet part. It's when she's singing about even my janitor's wife has a perfectly good love life. Um, not the most politically correct lyric, but also I think one Cole Porter changed to even my analyst's wife to not make it seem so classist. But to me, it's it's the character singing the song. It's not we're not in necessarily endorsing the idea that wow, a blue collar person can have love in their life. Anyway, uh, so check out the dynamic emotion. She gets really quiet and then she kind of belts the end. And again, I'm not a, usually a huge fan of belting, but she does it in a tasteful way, in a way that's appropriate. And then the very end of the last word of the song, 90th floor, just very quickly, she ramps it back down, 90th floor, and you hear that R and the song's over and the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> uh, just listen and enjoy when the only one you wanted wants another what's the good of swank and cash in the bank galore why even my janitor's wife has a perfectly good love life and here am I facing tomorrow alone with my sorrow down in the depths on the night you floor so Dick and Kiz Harp never really became very famous uh they had quite a cult following, though, and among their supporters were other singers like Marlena Dietrich, Tony Bennett, and Sylvia Sims. In fact, Sylvia Sims wrote the liner notes to their first album. Uh, you may not know Sylvia Sims. She was a jazz singer of some renown. Uh, Frank Sinatra produced one of her records. And uh, I was wondering, I was researching this line, the Scaparelli gown line, um, which is not the original Cole Porter lyric. And Sylvia Sims, as far as I can tell, was the first one to swap out Scaparelli for uh, Pet Pieted, which I guess means uh, like 
spangled or kind of like fancy sequins. I never liked that pet pie edit. It's hard to understand what the words are being, what words are even said. I think Scaparelli is a great choice. And I do, did a little research on who Scaparelli was, and it's Elsa Scaparelli, who was a famous avant-garde fashion designer, uh, prominent between the two world wars. And she's a fascinating figure. Uh, I recommend checking her out. She collaborated with Salvador Dali. She was interested in philosophy and astronomy and her family was, had an interesting history. And speaking of her family, which we now segue to the second revelation from my interview with Franklin Bruno, uh, this podcast isn't exclusively a podcast about female singers. Any singer qualifies, but we haven't had a, a male singer yet. And here's one related to Elsa Schiaparelli. I was looking it up, and her grandson was a famous actor, one who appeared in Hitchcock film. And if you're like my nephew, Django, you love Hitchcock movies. Uh, here, check out this singer and see if maybe you can figure out who the actor is. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. The likes of you may never be attracted to the likes of me. But accidents will happen and I'll be around. And maybe there'll be no one else but me around forevermore never start you may ignore my hopeful heart and chances are I'm not the one to make you fall but accidents will happen after all a smile may show it your eyes may glow before you know it I'm sure I'll know so if you fall in just that way Oh, wouldn't I be thrilled to hear you say I had a lovely accident today So have you gone through the catalog of Hitchcockian actors and come up with the answer? Cary Grant? Jimmy Stewart? No. It's Psycho himself, Tony Perkins, who, as you can hear, is a terrific singer. He made three albums. Uh, in the late 50s, early 60s. And I think that that role kind of killed not only his acting career, but also his singing career, which is too bad. Really nice voice. And I realize also that I, I've met his son, Elvis Perkins, who's a singer, songwriter. I met him in 2006. I was a driver for Lollapalooza. Nice fellow, really nice guy. Little did I know I had a Direct line to Elsa Scaparelli right there next to me. Uh, so thanks for listening. Um, don't you worry. There will be more Kiz Harp episodes in the future. I really wanted to get in deep in this one, but we'll talk about her life and her other recordings and her relationship with her pianist husband. It'll be kids. You'll be kissed up. No worries. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great time. And I promise to keep these episodes coming with greater frequency from now on. See you next time. A smile may show it, your eyes may glow, before you know it, I'm sure I'll know. So, if you fall 
in just that way Oh, wouldn't I be thrilled to hear you say I had a lovely accident, a most improbable accident I had a lovely accident today This has been an Ambivert Media Production.